your show. Okay. You're a pro. <laughs> well, I don't know about pro yet, but we'll get there. <laughs> um, yeah, so uh, let's just fire away. Uh, so hello everyone, welcome to another episode of Chatter. Today I am delighted to be joined by Kevin Malone from uh, Kevin, uh, not Kevin Malone Wealth, just Malone Wealth, the CEO and President. Um, welcome to the show. Thank you for having me, Josh. Appreciate it. Yeah, no problem. I, I mean, um, I'm, I was absolutely thrilled that you that you said yes to the to the interview. I, I, I like you. You're one of the few people that I've seen in the financial world that's an active investor. That's not just like a retail investor that has like openly stated, yes, okay, we're we're long on GME, and and you've actively called out a lot of the stuff that people have been been complaining about on on super stonk and and you know wall street bets before it and all the many iterations of it that we now have so it's a it's an absolute pleasure to get to chat to you man thanks i appreciate it it's a scary posting about that stuff you know billionaires are scary people to go up against but someone's gonna say something and there's not a lot of people in the finance world that are willing to yeah i mean that's the disappointing part really um, so why don't we start with the first the first time you came across GameStop as a as a potential investment opportunity? Okay, um, it was late March to early April, twenty twenty, when the whole world was like just smashing COVID, like that full month of February leading in to be in April. And I'm just scrolling stocks on FinViz, just a stock screener. I'd probably look at about two, three hours a day, just all the news articles and companies, what's moving, what's not moving. And on there, it said that GameStop was 99% short. I'm like, what? And it's like showing up in their public data. And I'm like, there's no way. And so I started digging into it. At the time, I'm pretty sure it was over that. Like we found out in January 2021, there was more than that, but mm-hmm. I think FinViz number only goes to 99% short. Hmm. And so I'm looking at it, reading the data, and uh, call my brother, who's also an advisor, and I'm like, dude, GameStop's 99% short right now. Like one news article, it's going to go up hundreds of percent if anyone has to cover this. And so I started buying clients in there, $4 a share. We split one dollar a share now, and I'm like, this is such a small risk to high reward on something that's shorted that I decided it was a perfect play for the usually like five percent aggressive portfolio size for clients. So I bought a lot, and I bought <laughs> a lot more, and I kept buying every month. I was buying, and. Uh, Right when I found it, I just started searching the web. What's going on? This is 99% short. That's when I discovered Keith Gill going over all the stuff on Wall Street Bets. And I'm like, this guy knows too. <laughs> and we didn't find out until later that he was also in the financial industry until uh, after the sneeze. And so I started reading and posting front and back with Keith and Rod on stock twits and Wall Street bets and trying to show everyone that like just one thing good happens and this thing's gonna explode. And then I'm sitting in Jiffy Lou getting an oil change and a news article comes across my phone that says Ryan Cohen buys massive stake in GameStop. I'm like, no way. It's making my hair stand up right now. I'm like, no way. And I'm just watching my phone. And I'm like, this is massive, like $6, $9 after you bought in. And then at that time, Wall Street Bets finally like saw it. Like the million people that were on there at that time were like, okay, let's figure out who Ryan Cohen is all this stuff. And he's just a guy that builds companies. And everyone gets stoked. And then Cohen just goes off on the board, writing letters. Like, you guys need to change everything. Or you're going bankrupt. And GameStop, unlike some of the other companies that go into contact, it said, yeah, let's do it. And I really feel it's because GameStop CEO at the time had a massive position in there that he wasn't selling. Like he 
would trim for taxes or like just income to live on. But he had millions of shares of GameStop stock, the CEO at that time. And so I felt he didn't want to go bankrupt and have all this shit. Like his net worth was in there. And uh, from there, it, I mean, sneeze is history. But, you know, my, in, uh, my branch, I was working for Edward Jones at the time, and uh, my branch was a top 10 holder of GameStop stock in the world. Nice. My my branch. <laughs> just just, and just your branch. Read in everything and were like, well, Edward Jones manages $1.3 trillion. So I was like, no, just my clients have that much. <laughs> and, which was probably 99% of the position at Edward Jones because they were the only other ones were like grandmas that bought GameStop certificates from their kids 20 years ago or something. And I just kept buying it up when it was down there and it dipped to the 14 down to 11. Let's add some more here. Let's add some more here. And then when the sneeze happened, I mean, I had, I think, 158 voicemails in two days from clients and uh, their family members and their family members. And like, I just, I shut off my phone because I couldn't manage the positions for them because they're blowing me up. And uh, so they ended up getting, I think the highest sell was at, a uh, 9,000% gain <laughs> for them in six months. And it was just, I couldn't believe it. Like I had my limits set originally for like $50 a share when I was buying at like $5 a share before. Nobody knew about the crime besides overshorting was just theoretical. And I'm like, you know, like a thousand percent return. Like that'd be solid. That'd be way too overvalued. You'd want to trim here. And then as I got closer there and you see like $20 a day moves, I'm like, this thing can just like trust so much for the past that and sure did. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, a little bit. <laughs> <laughs> um, you almost went another thousand percent, actually, technically, right? Uh, from that, yeah, from there, yeah, from yeah, there. To That's the what, yeah, <laughs> yeah, to ten thousand percent total. Unreal. That's absolutely wild. Still crazy to think about. Like I remember watching it, and it still doesn't seem like it really happened. Sometimes, <laughs> yeah. Yeah, absolutely. It changed the world. It was the most, it was the most uh, common household name company yeah. in most of 2021. Yeah, I mean, like, like still, when I talk to people about it and say, "Look, I'm writing this book," um, there they most of them remember. Like, even though it's like you know, things can happen in the public consciousness, and like people don't notice or like don't realize. It's like sometimes I I struggle to tell what's like on the internet and what crosses yeah. and then like and then not even that then what's in like niche bits of the internet that then like seems huge but doesn't cross over like uh like tucker carlson's um firing resigning whatever um i asked mm -hmm. a bunch of people that i know about it and they were like who's tucker carlson and like it, on my twitter feed was just nothing but like posts about that and mm -hmm. then i asked someone outside of the sphere and they're like who who, who the fuck is that yeah <laughs> <laughs> but like gamestop is always people always remember which is really crazy to me um so you mentioned then during that that you the first time that you had that was one of the first times you'd like sort of realized maybe or or like looked into sh like over shorting and and that as a possibility as, as something so so had you were you yeah. like a, like how aware were you of the concept of like short selling naked short selling and like a short squeeze like did did you because most people had never heard of that term or any of these oh, terms absolutely um short Obviously, squeeze yeah. i was aware of i uh i was looking for them constantly as anomalies for really small position size for clients that could, you know, two, three X yeah. on their position. And I was always looking for them. I was studying them. I had like Excel sheets of how many days these short squeezes would go. Cause like on FinBiz, you can see the top gainers and losers of the days. And I used to like take the top 10 gainers of that day and then check them the next day and then check them the next day. I could tell which ones were in a squeeze, looking at the short interest and all that. So I was, very accustomed to short squeezes back then before it even happened, but knew nothing about the 
like Nick and Shorty. I knew it had to exist somewhere. There's always crime and hedge funds and everything like that, but had no idea the magnitude of synthetic shares and FTDs and everything like that. Yeah. It was, it just blew my mind that the whole industry was like this. Yeah. Like, was it, was it uh super stonk and like wall street bets that really turned you on to that? Or was it like um other, other sources? Um, super Sonic was massive. I mean, the, the DD that was coming through there was absolutely insane. And having hundreds of thousands of people, or probably a hundred thousand compared to the bots, um, looking for anomalies out there on one tick or one company name at all times, nuts. And then all those people were also looking at crime and actually reading the 13F reports and all the filings and so many things that don't get past them now and they really brought out i mean say the majority of the info i know now about the crime in the background probably came from there the system plumbing where i take a piece from there and start researching it myself yeah so so yeah how widespread do you think things like naked short selling are in the market it's like right because one of the things that that's constantly on my mind whenever i i've got like one of the things i have for my book is i have like a a, a massive massive document that's bookmarks of people who have pointed out glitches on the ticker right weird mm -hmm. glitches like sometimes you're like what we just had another one like a day ago with the eighteen thousand. Yeah. yeah yeah right yeah, yeah yeah so like some of them are like like phantom orders definitely um there's definitely some like technical glitches or like i don't know things like picking up like limits that are set or you know th there's probably explanations for like at least some of them right but then there's other ones i'm like what the is going on like what the absolute fuck is going on but like i wonder like how much of this would be seen in every ticker if there was a hundred thousand people staring at it exactly that that's the thing it's gotta there's gotta be glitches and things happening in other tickers but nobody looking for them you know someone might see the apple showing it's at one dollar share or something on their app in the morning mm. but if they post that online six people are going to see it and care about it like yeah, yeah. it's probably glitched weird but there's so many more instances of gamestop and these highly volatile stocks that just keep showing up like that yeah and a lot more frequently than most other companies yeah especially on the ftd side yeah on the ftd side is 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 wild but but like on the on the other side of what i said the thing that that sort of makes me wonder is like right okay because we've got a hundred thousand people staring at this thing right and and like investigating every tiny aspect of it um would you do you think you would see loads of these like do you think we would see like specters of evidence of really fraudulent practices across the entire market yeah 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 i think there's like glitches and things that nobody's looking at that there there's absolutely these uh these fraudulent things happening as far as like the synthetic shares and the naked short selling thing like that i think it goes up millions of shares every day and whatever is the most volatile these market makers don't have to like even find those shares for 30 plus days to come up with them so they create a liquid market for everyone and they just don't have a share it's just numbers on someone's computer somewhere that they have to come up with that what they're thinking is a later or a lower price in the future and taking the spread on that which is unbelievable that that happens every single day. But I think it happens every stock. Like, at the end of the day, you know, Schwab's going through their buys and sells and calling TD and seeing how many they can match with each other and going like that. And then whatever's left over on the buys and sells end up being like FTDs that they have to come up with in a certain amount of days, which we figured out they pretty much have no, uh, like, fines or anything like that for not coming up with them in a certain amount of time. And, it's, it's yeah. insane how much yeah. happens every day. Yeah. And like Dr. Um, Dr. Trimbath like walked me through how they can just continue to roll that on forever. Like the, the FTDs yep. never really end up getting resolved in a lot of cases, which is like as, an, as, as someone who's like actively investing and like and managing other people's money, 
do you see all of this as opportunity or does it terrify you that the market doesn't function based on seemingly any sort of justice or regulation? It's, it's honestly depressing. You know, my father was an advisor since the day I was born. I learned about it every day since then. My brother and I both become advisors right out of college. Like this is like our family business. And after everything that happened with GameStop, just to find out that the majority of it is all rigged and fake sucks. You know, I still have such a passion for investing and looking for growing companies and everything, but it's all fake behind the scenes in this giant like scam all the way to the top of the government of Congress insider trading, like 150 for convicted insider trading. And there's no, there's no fines or jail time for it. So why would anyone stop? Yeah. You know, and they're getting all the fees under the table and knowing which stocks aren't going to be shorted to death and which ones are going to get the FDA approval and everything. And my job went from looking for growth opportunities for clients to trying to figure out what the corrupt people are going to get into and be on their side so you don't get wrecked. And that like sucks to think about investing that way, but it's so true. There's so many earnings reports where you probably see all numbers smash expectations and the stock drops 25%. And then you see during COVID, Disney, re- uh, Disney revenue drops 93% and the stock goes up 10% the next day. And it's like, it's wherever those options market makers max pain is to not lose any money, the stock will go and they'll just deliver on the shares when they want to. Yeah. Yeah, and you just reminded me, there's a fantastic uh, website, actually. Hang on, let me see if I can pull this up for people and for you. Uh, although it might end up doubling it for you and the wrong thing, but hang on, I'll just show you. Um, oh, yeah, it's backwards for you. Sorry. <laughs> um, so uh, it does say, for people watching anyway, that the that Nancy Pelosi isn't actually the most successful trader at the moment uh, in the House of Representatives. That would go to the representative Brian Mast, who has 79% return. Wow. That is, a, that is stellar. Yeah, I mean, it's like they're That's getting... almost as good as Citadel's 16% return in the worst year in history for stocks and bonds combined. <laughs> <laughs> unbelievable it's just great training. did you watch the new madoff uh documentary oh, no i've been docuseries? i've been putting it off is it good it's it's really good and in one part it's just like or this reporter that starts uh like investigating it she's just looking at the paperwork like everyone is losing money in the dot-com bubble everyone and he's making money still like all successful trades and she's like what and that's like a, and then when Citadel's numbers came out for the December 31st in like a month ago. So I'm just like, it's the same exact thing. It's literally the same thing. And nobody's questioning it. Well, hopefully there are behind the scenes. Yeah. But I'm not particularly okay. optimistic about it. Like, how, how, again, you're, you're in the financial world. Like, wh- how incompetent are the SEC? Like, really? <laughs> uh, very. I think <laughs> if they do their job, they break the market. I, like I think the market's it's going to be broken if they charge what they know is happening. You know, like Gensler probably got in there and he's like, "Oh my god, yeah, we can't tell the public about this or charge anyone because we'd have to charge everyone. We'd have to build a new government because everyone's insider trading and." All the biggest market makers for liquidity have their side hedge funds that take the opposite side of every single trade. The biggest conflict of interest in financial history. And it happens every day. And did you see Dave Lauer's interview with Gensler like about two months ago or three months ago? Yeah. I emailed him right when it was happening and he asked Gary a couple seconds later because we're talking about FTX. And I was like, I emailed Dave, I was like, ask Gary what the difference is between FTX having Alameda on the side and Citadel's market maker having Citadel's hedge fund on the side and Gary just pivoted like nobody's business. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, that's fantastic. I love to hear that. Um, So the, 
actually, you said something there that's really interesting, and I think people maybe don't quite get it all the time. What is it that allows uh, market makers like Citadel? Like, what is the mechanism by which they're able to make money off of taking the other side of every trade because of their yeah privileges as market makers? So, Citadel is also a market maker for options, which is just like outsized returns and ninety nine percent of options like expire worthless or right at max paying. So. If a stock has a massive drop or a massive gain on news and a market maker is going to lose a ton of money on their option side, then their market make on market maker trading side for stocks, they will just, you know, if the stock is too high, they will just send all of the sell orders to the lit market, dropping, 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 and then internalize all the buy orders so there's no buying pressure. It's all happening behind the scenes between other companies. And so only the sales are hitting the market over and over again, or vice versa. If something drops 25% on earnings report, so it's like, oh, we needed to go up 10%, they'll route the buy orders to the late market and start triggering people's like limits. And then they'll just do all the sell orders internally. It's insane. It, it just sounds so awful when people put it in, <sighs> in plain terms every, like, every single time. And I, yeah, I, I, every I, single company too. It's not just GameStop and AMC and Bed Bath and Beyond. Like someone has a, a scandal or something like that, and their stock drops fifty percent. Citadel's just going to route all the buyers there so that they don't get murdered on all the puts that just made money. Like, how long has this been um, the way that market makers work? Like, did market makers were are they an invention of the digitization? of trading yeah that was a huge part of it like you had to have like tons of orders come through where they couldn't really handle them just on the new york stock exchange or nasdaq exchange something like that there's so many orders coming in that they needed someone to really like take the risk of these buy and sells if they had them on their books or not and if it was realistic nobody would probably take that gamble yeah. um you know but there's probably special things put in place with uh sipc and the fed and all the stuff like if shit goes wrong then we're going to be back up for this we're helping you with the liquidity the mm -hmm. ridiculously crime part came when they're allowed to have separate uh companies that are investing billions of dollars too you know, they have these special rules that nobody else on earth has for trading. And they get to see all the data that nobody can see and take the other side of the trades or know exactly where it's going. You know, they know how many sell orders are set for tomorrow's opening bell on one stock. And if it, it triggers something massive, then Citadel will just go into their hedge fund and buy a bunch of puts on it. Just, it's beautiful. So is the money printing machine? Yeah, yeah, seemingly. I mean, it's like, is this basically what you think has been going on with with the the price suppression with GameStop over the past two and a half years? Oh, absolutely. Yeah. So it's just, so you you just think it's it's out and out like manipulation by people who are short on it. Yeah, yeah, and the internalization of orders and the dark pools and all the stuff happening behind the scene on the buy side, and then. You know, GameStop's almost back down to where it was before its earnings went about fifty percent. It's literally just a perfectly diagonal chart like this for like two weeks on like the one hour table. It's just absolutely perfect selling. Insane. That's crazy. So then, what do you think the reason for that is? Because so, do you think is just the fact that Citadel and and some others are short GameStop, or do you think that um, it's like a, a more widespread structural if this blows the whole thing might blow sort of situation yeah way more of that like we have the whole world's eyes on GameStop stock now after 2021 and if the crime gets found out then other countries will call us on our exchange and our fake shares of everything 
and just wipe out the U.S. market. Okay, so, you- so you know, shorts. I I still think there's, I mean, an ungodly amount of shorts have never covered, and they're being put through swaps and everything like that. But it's more of a systemic issue. Like we figured out the crime. Now multiply this by every single stock that this is happening, and realize that every other country probably has fake shares. We all have fake shares. They're all just numbers on a computer screen. When you think about it, since they're all the actual shares are held by Seed and Co., which is another insane part of this whole saga. But I can't find a single person on earth to tell me why there's a delay in trade settling. They're just digital numbers on the screen. You know, there's no actual shares being traded. You don't have to mail them anywhere. It's T plus three, T plus two, and Gary's saying they're working on a T plus one settlement. Like, what are you talking about? You send crypto across the world in seconds. And they were even doing that with fake crypto, like uh, buying them through the exchange and stuff like that. But yet stocks can't trade without a couple of days for them to just cherry pick the highest buys to the lowest sells mm-hmm. in the background. There's no plumbing that needs that much. It's just, you could literally send dollars on Venmo in one second. Now, but these just numbers on your screen of a ticker, you can't for days at a time because they need whatever's in the background to keep afloat. So you don't you don't buy because I've heard people talk about the reason that there's a T plus two is that the the plumbing that the whole system is it's like that it's built it's like the 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 way they like paint the picture is that you know it's it's this house with like with like Wi Fi on the top floor right but then as you like go go you like go down the layers like the next thing down you've got maybe like dial up modem and you get like down another floor and you've got like a phone and then in the basement it's like some guy on the telegram trying to get all the information that you need for the wi-fi on the top right but through through like a <laughs> like that's that's the picture that people paint right when they talk about why it has to be t plus two are you saying that's bullshit it's complete bullshit we, when we found out that Seed Co. has all the shares of all the companies out there, the DTC, or DTCC, and all of them are just like doing IOUs and circles, that literally solidified that all the shares on computers are fake. Like you either get a certificate or go through a transfer agent, a computer share, and get real shares in your real name, or else they're all just fake IOUs. And there's no reason those IOUs can't be sent like a text message or an email. Mm. They're not an actual product, you know? They're just a number on a screen with a value, it should be able to be transfer sold by in a hundredth of a second. Mm. So like have you have you spoken to people in the industry about this? Like like people who are, I don't know, mid to high level players or p- people in regulatory agencies or just other investors about about this problem. Oh yeah. I have uh one of my posts on the super stocking scroll back on mine is my letters to the SEC about GameStop being shorted over 100%. So I was like, can I get some more? This is 2020, before the seeds. And and I totally forgot all about it. I saw like a screenshot going back in photos forever ago. I was like, oh my God, I forgot I sent that email. They just never responded. <laughs> and I posted it up a couple of months ago and I was like, send them another one. Perfect. And so I went to the SEC and I was like, sorry, I never heard back from you guys before GameStop went up 10,000%, but can you respond yet on what the, sh- uh, the short interest is and everything? And just respond. The I've written letters. Um, I think what Lauer is doing with everyone, like the amount of work he's put in with the higher ups and lobbying and stuff like that, I just don't have the time. I'd love to like, go join them in DC and start screaming at these corrupt people that are just doing this shit every single day. Um, but I just, it becomes scary with my profession mm-hmm. to go against these people. You know, I'm, I've done a couple of things or posts about a couple of high people where I'm like, yeah, I'll probably be assassinated tomorrow. And it's just like, I don't know how far to push that while, you know, loving the business that I built. It's, so, it's such a tough line. Like, I want the corruption to stop, but I don't want all of their eyes on me for no reason because they're like, shut this kid up. Mm. Yeah, I mean, it's... <laughs> and we're in, we're in, a, in a world now where, like, if you post on your social media, I, I am not suicidal, the CIA are planning to kill me, 
um, and then you die in mysterious circumstances days later, no one raises an eyebrow. Like even then, like did, so uh, did you see that there was the there was one uh, one of the guy the head of one of the crypto exchanges like you know there was that string of like three four of them that all died in really weird oh, circumstances yeah. yeah then there was Absolutely. one of them who literally said I'm being set up by the CIA like they're gonna try and kill me and then died yeah sorry yeah no no it's not, no in like a funny way it's nuts like. What are we going to do about it? I've always said, like, the government's terrifying. The Fed's the scariest people on earth. Like, what are you going to do about it? They literally turned off the buy button to fuck everyone. And everyone could yell and bitch and scream. Nobody got their money back. Nobody got anything. There's people, oh, my God, people on Wall Street Bus right now that had all the FRC puts when, and now they can't get paid out on a lot of Robin Hood. I'm like, oh, that's weird. You're still on Robin uh, Yeah. But it's... Anyone still on no, You're not going to do anything at the end of the day, especially against the government. It's, uh, mm. it's all just swept under the rug. Yeah, it's, it's scary. Yeah, it's scary. You know, like one of the one of the most disappointing things, actually, like because I don't know, I'm always this optimist that thinks like, but if we just get the right people in there, they could fix it. You know, <laughs> like how fucked can it be? And <laughs> and then like I don't know, I was looking at. Um, like the different people who who've been running for for um who in the in the primaries in in America on both sides of the aisle. So I was looking at and the, like Biden going again. I was just like, oh god, okay, nothing's gonna happen there. So then I was like, right, okay, no. who who like Republican side? Anyone gonna come along and and you know at least say anything that's not the the status quo, especially when it comes to finance? And you yeah. go, it's like, right, what what are the options? Trump, okay, yeah, he stacked his cabinet with Morgan Stanley people. That's not happening, right? Yeah. <laughs> um, then Ron DeSantis, I was like, I don't know, man. He calls out some bullshit, and then fucking, he's like considering Ken, Ken Grin. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Oh my god, please uh, no. There's no fixing the markets if that happens. Yeah, and then and then so yeah, the only one that I have hope for at the minute is RFK Jr., but he's definitely going to be assassinated. Uh, so, or he'll just be that. Well, I mean, they'll they'll rig the primary. There's no way he gets things. They they argued in court that they're allowed to rig the primary. So of course they'll rig the primary. <laughs> exactly. Yeah, just the, the whole fake shares and keep us up. It just reminds me of the whole election where there's still all this stuff like we we can't just have like a website like and your social security number and vote right here done. Like it's counted. It's all. But I mean, honestly, there's still be conspiracies after that. Yeah, I mean, whose software is this and stuff like that? I don't. We go like days and days without counting votes, and there's trucks of ballots missing. It's like still can't get a better way. Yeah, I mean, better way of doing this. I often like look at look at you people in America with this, and I'm just like. It's, it's actually, it's the exact same thing with the fucking financial markets, right? I look at it and go like, the reason they haven't fixed it is because they can exploit it, right? Like, and I looked yeah. at the chaos after the 2020 election, right? And I was like, well, at least now they'll do something about this. You know, at least now they'll like, because the, the, the vote hacking stuff has been a problem for like decades, right? Since they, like, they, did, they did the big update, right? After the, the Bush-Gore thing. And they've not funded anything since. The machines are old as shit. They're like ordering spare parts on fucking eBay, right? And that's not a joke either. You can go fucking look that up. Um, if you're listening saying you're exaggerating. And I look at it and go, why didn't you just fix it? Like, hi, like fuck the machines hire 10,000 people and just fucking count them three times. Like, like we do yeah. it in the UK, we count everything by hand and nobody ever disputes an election. <laughs> we should just have everyone's country, like officials count the votes for the other countries. So there's like no conflict of interest. Like you guys count ours, we'll count yours. You know, our winners doesn't matter to your country. And but, ah, but then who's shipping who's shipping where are you shipping the ballots who's shipping the ballots right. who gets um, you know, what's yeah. the interest yeah i'm always just like just get three get like a ten thousand people count them three times you know you could afford it it's got to be cheaper than the fucking machines and yeah. and even if it's not anyway. um yeah anyway so uh one of, one of the things that um i wanted to ask you about was through one of the themes that I keep seeing, I constantly keep seeing, since January 2020, or 2021, when I first sort of started noticing this, 
has been the endless stream of media articles that just mischaracterize the movement, call everyone racists and misogynists. Um, the There's been uh, articles about how, you know, GameStop is over, the short squeeze is done, you know, forget GameStop, forget GameStop, forget GameStop. I don't know how many times I've seen that fucking headline, oh, yeah. right? Like, do you think there's a genuinely coordinated media campaign against this stock? Yes. One of the most genius things hedge funds as a whole have ever done was buy all the financial media companies so they can point any direction for something. I'm going to give you a round number right now, and I'm close, but I have no idea what the actual one is. But it's like 90% of the financial media companies out there are owned by hedge funds to be able to control the narrative. It's absolutely genius and totally manipulative, but they saw the opportunity when AOL came out and people are seeing news articles and stuff online a lot faster than just buying one magazine. And they went in and started buying them up. Okay. I'm just trying to, I'm trying to get some figures here to see. To get some numbers. Yeah, I get some numbers here. This is really interesting because I ne- I hadn't considered the extent to which they maybe own the media. It's massive. Yeah. So. All the little ones like the the street and um, Motley Fool's like just actual articles that aren't part of the company, like in the tiny wording at the bottom. Yeah. Um, Seeking Alpha. Dude, they're all owned by them. Yeah, Motley Fool is the best one, like by far. It's just oh, like the or uh, yeah, Seeking Don't Alpha or or who was who was the who was the most infamous one? It was like February twenty twenty one. Um, Citroen Citroen Research. They were like, we're gonna do the, the, like the five reasons why GameStop is gonna go to zero. <laughs> oh no, that was twenty twenty. That was like when his computer froze and stuff like that, and everyone hacked into his YouTube live stream. And that was when it was like at sixteen or eighteen dollars. The next day, it was at like twenty five, and just or maybe it was January, and it just lit up from there and <laughs> just went up to five hundred. Like right after that guy, he didn't talk for like a year. You see, Chat GPT knows the number. I mean, that was my next port of call. But then I was like, oh, it might be a bit out of day. But you know, let's get the out of day figure. Um. Apparently, according to recent analysis, hedge funds or private equity firms now control half of U.S. daily newspapers. That's not what we want, but that is also interesting. That's insane because that's all news. So there's 50% of all news is what that's saying, right? Yeah. That's, that's wild, isn't it? That's nuts. Now they can go politics. They can post the ones like that they have in their, pol- in their pockets to the articles here instead of articles for XYZ candidate. Yeah, Alden Global Capital, for example, own. They bought for six hundred and thirty million pound, Tribune Publishing, which includes the New York Daily News, Chicago Tribune, Baltimore Sun, and others. Wow, that's a that's a lot of major fucking papers. And then you don't even include like people like like that. I was just looking the Washington Post. Like they're not talking about them here, but like that's um, they're owned by Bezos. No, he's not exactly oh, going to be. Know. Yeah, he's not exactly going to be screaming for you know rigorous coverage of the financial press because because uh, probably many of these massive uh, funds will have stakes in Amazon. Yeah, and if they tank, they'll start selling the stock off. And yeah, it's like the the intertwined nature of it is so predatory. It's oh, I never quite get over it. It's like. Yeah. I, I, I hate it. I was such an optimist person before this happened. I'm looking to just grow people's money. And now everything I see, I'm just like, oh, what crime happened there behind the scenes? Whether it's like an earnings report movement or any stock or anything, I'm just like, all right, who wrote this article for their own benefit? It sucks. I hate thinking like that. I don't know how to switch my brain back. Mm. Like, but there's just so much crime that's been discovered where it's just everywhere. Yeah. Yeah, it's 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 difficult. It's like because once you see, it's like okay, so they're lying consistently about this stock that I actually know about. Mm-hmm. So what about all these other things that they're saying? 
Yeah. Are all of these just bullshit? Like all of them? Yeah, they could have a they could put on all fifteen of their news outlets that they have to go uh pro oil right before they know like uh, a surplus is coming in or Biden's gonna start pumping out the reserves again and liquid to drop the price. So they can just get bag holders at the top to get out of their positions or vice versa. They can do it anywhere for their advantage. Like I said, genius. Yeah. By buying them all up and creating this campaign. It's nuts. Oh, all this. You can see the strings. That's the problem. <laughs> yeah. So to talk a little bit about, about then one of the, one of the biggest theories about how we might exit this system in some way or, or how we might like get beyond it. Right. It's been, um, the, the infinity pool DD, which was totally a joke and a meme until it wasn't, mm-hmm. um, <laughs> um, sort of morphed into like the DRS campaign, um, and computer share. Now I've, I, I've spoken to some people who don't think that that's the way forwards and I haven't quite understood yet, but I'm waiting on some responses about why that is. But to me, it looks like a very, it looks like the mechanism by which it might be possible to expose the extent to which synthetic shares exist for this stock, right? And then mm-hmm. possibly, you know, get the ball rolling for further investigations. Absolutely. Do you, do, do you, do you think the DRS campaign is, that's a possibility? Like, do you, do you think this is a good idea? Yes. Um, we used to have, I mean, every financial advisor has jokes about having to deal with computer share clients, like rolling in their shares from their great grandmas like 10 years ago. And how I used to just say computer share school uses fax machines and typewriters and stuff at their company headquarters. And now it's like the tool to put investors' names on their shares, just like a certificate or but digital, and to give GameStop that info on their quarterly earnings or whatever they really ask for it to have it all on their book. And the fact that a quarter of 75 million shares have been pulled out of the system has, I wouldn't say proven, but it has been proven wrong that the liquidity and the shares traded per day in the market has gone down significantly with the DRS campaign. I mean, the volume per day, well, last week we had like three of the top 10 lowest. Yeah, yeah. So you know, one of those two. Yeah, like, it was just like Twitter chart page. every day. Yeah. And uh, so it's proven to, well, hasn't been proven wrong, to lower the volume in this stock. And then after the earnings, all the crime comes out again and it trades 50 million shares flat like this all day for the options makers theta game just crush the volatility of the stock didn't move with five or 50 million shares traded i mean at the time it was like 25 times the volume of the week before when it was only trading 2 million shares a day and the stock like didn't even move doing that uh computer shares drs i i can't find a way that it won't work without crime <laughs> obviously we know what the crime is every single day but if there is no crime behind the scenes then it should make sense to everyone that once the shares are gone they choose their price it's like real supply and demand the way the market should function with these huge bid ass whole market maker structure where they're raking in billions to provide infinite liquidity and you know now everyone can trade for free it's so good but I like take it back to the widespread. Everything trades like a cent away on the bid ask. But if it was a real market and someone was willing to sell their Apple share at 110 and the next buyer's at 100, there's a $10 spread. That It's a free market. Like that's a massive spread. But if someone, one of those two has to make a decision on it, on what they want to do. And at least it's like a real order, a real market between two parties. Yeah, I mean, like, when do we, when, is that a possibility? Like, do you think that that, because the whole time that that I end up discussing these sorts of topics and the whole time, the whole way through this conversation, like, I just, I wonder to myself, like, is it, 
is it actually possible to get to a place where we could have like a fair and free and open market in the way that like if there are buyers there are buyers if there are no sellers there are no sellers like like because it just seems like we have a market where that doesn't exist like right. at, at all like it, it's it and it's really really weird to like get your head around right that like you're the most of the buy and sell orders put on the exchange that, that like are processed on the exchanges mm -hmm. are not between two parties one of whom wants to buy a stock and one of whom wants to sell like there's a load right. of different intermediaries whether that's like market makers whether that's hedge funds whether that's like uh high frequency trading um mm -hmm. like outfits it's so strange that that's how we've arrived at like is there a way to get back from that do you think uh, yes, but you're going to have to take everyone down at the top. And you have to convince everyone making billions of dollars with this scheme to not like money anymore. <laughs> you have to convince 150 insider traders in Congress, like, hey, you guys need to stop liking money. We're going to do what's right. <laughs> like, how is it going to happen? Like, you have to convince all the people that make up the rules and run the country to not like money anymore and to do the right thing. I don't know. I don't know how it happens. The one theory I did on a, or I explained pretty in depth on an AMA I did was another country is going to have to call us out on it. And once that happens, it's going to be anarchy for the U.S. market. Like we need the EU, China, Russia. Like your market's completely fake and all synthetic. Boom. Another event. All right, guys, we're gonna start looking into it and finding out who we're going to throw under the bus for all this stuff. Mm -hmm. And I think that's realistically because of how many people are making money off this at the top. That's the only way it's going to happen. Like, are the other another country. Is the U S yeah. uniquely horrendous in this sense? Because the financial industry is kind of borderless in a way. Like I can't, I can't think of places where aside from maybe like, some northern european nations where regulation would be stricter than the united states <laughs> the strictness with like the sec and finra go towards all the little players like i would get fined the same from finra as citadel would like we'd both like get a fifty thousand dollar fine for something and theirs would be on something they made 500 million dollars on and mine would be for like a wrong signature or something and so Finner and the SEC can't take down, I don't think, it's all theoretical, can't take down these big people that are running everything. So they keep themselves in the public's eye by still just busting these other small outfits or charging them. You know, the SEC goes after Kim Kardashian and Chuck E. Cheese coins instead of like actual crime. And it's like, oh, we bust another million dollar scheme, but JP Morgan just manipulated the precious market or the precious metal market for like the 19th time in a row. And they got a $2 million fine. It's just batshit crazy. There's no regulation at the top. I do think, I mean, there's obviously crime in other countries' markets um, going on, but there's also a lot of countries that have like banned short selling and ban certain types of transactions where this shit keeps happening and that's a perfect way to start i don't think we necessarily have to ban short selling but i think if there was like lit fair markets then you wouldn't need short selling to drop the price if someone's like a corrupt company that's how like that's always their side on debates for why short selling is good is because it finds out crime in different companies and everything like no just find out the crime and everyone will sell it like on a lit market, and it'll go down to where the next buyer is having a corrupt company. You don't need short selling to run an efficient market. No, although like it would I just mean, just be a low stock price for a company that's shady or doing wrong things. Yeah, I mean the what? Yeah, the, the I do. There's like a tiny part of me, right, that kind of gets the the argument, right, that if it wasn't fraudulent and full of synthetic shorting and naked shorting, mm -hmm. that you could make the case that if you're able to, like, go long on a stock, you should be able to go short on it. And I kind of, like, mm -hmm. if, if the market was legit, 
I get that, right? That that, that sure. doesn't seem. Yeah, like I short stocks too, and yeah. I short companies like when the banks were going and stuff. Um, but until <laughs> they made that illegal. <laughs> yeah, no, no, they took away the sell button instead of the buy button. Oh, yeah. <laughs> Oh, well, no, in 2008, they made it illegal to short sell uh, oh, yeah. bank stocks. Oh, yeah. Oh, that's what you're talking about. I thought you were talking about when all the sell buttons disappeared on the banks and stuff as they reported a couple months ago. No, no. Just exactly. screenshots from that. I'm like, weird. Robinhood still does that? Yeah. Robinhood. Yeah. Robinhood should. Anyone in, still investing should not be with Robinhood. Um, but, but yeah, so I've just, I find several, several articles from one from 2020 and one from 2022 where um, JP Morgan Chase, um, have been accused of manipulating the precious metal market. They paid so in 2020, hard. they paid what, a $920 million fine. I wonder on yeah, what, what profits, but then the U S government exactly. or the fed consistently, consistently, you know, manipulates the, the gold markets. Um, yeah. And uses that to, to attempt to intervene in every other market in the world and is totally, totally allowed to do that according to their own laws, which is fucking bonkers. Uh, yeah. Um, yeah. Stuart, Stuart Engler really blew my mind on that. Um, he's from the, oh, I can't remember the name of the company now. Some gold company. Some gold, like, watch people. It'll come back to me. I'll put it, I'll put the link in the description for people who want to see uh, want to see. Um, so then moving on. So you think the DRS campaign should hopefully, like theoretically, if it comes to the conclusion that we all hope for, which is like nothing left on the free market, right? Um, then theoretically we get to this point, and then do you think it's a feasible or even realistic possibility that? The NFT marketplace could be used as a proxy in order to attempt to exit the New York Stock Exchange and the DTCC and trade it's their totally shares. Possible. Yeah, how how realistic yeah. do you think it is? So like just just like a little bit of like okay, we've got to give a little bit of copium hopium to to get yeah. to get through this conversation right. But like in theory, can you see Ryan Cohen deciding to take that gamble? Yes, if there's nothing done about this, like say the flow gets locked up, it will depend on what the regulators do and what the stock price does to determine if Cohen would take it off exchange. You know, like it, if they let it fly, that's right, mm -hmm. to the moon, then there's no reason for it. But if they hold trading and do all their bullshit background stuff, then I think it's completely realistic that he steps in or the whole team, you know, to protect their shareholders at that point and says, okay, you guys want to do anything about it? We will. Yeah. I mean, we all hope that will happen. Um, do you see that being the future of a better financial system? Like, do you see it being like blockchain based in some sense? Yeah, I think that's an amazing way to do it. I think it's going that way, for sure. I mean, Feds are, or not Fed, the Treasury's already talking about the digital dollars and being able to track everything that way. I think uh, wallets and journals and everything on the blockchain for stocks is completely realistic. I don't think any of the crime in Wall Street wants that to happen. <laughs> so they'll just stay at T plus whatever they want until it happens. But it, it's perfect. We instant trades 24 seven against real buys and real sells. And it's, it's not just logical. It would just work better, but it would make them billions less at the top, the market makers and the high frequency trading mm. and, uh, even, you know, all of the brokerages too, that are holding them, you know, they, they're using most of that money on just lending out kind of like bank does with any of the cash inside of the accounts for clients but they would all implode on revenue everything and i'd be managing wallets sweet be way cooler so i don't have to deal with any brokerage or different exchanges that my order is going to go through the clients yeah i mean that's that's the dream really um uh, like do you so yeah. do you, 
so there's there's that as a possibility but do do you think that that is ryan cohen's plan like do you because right okay and do you think he's encouraging the drs campaign because like there's a lot there's been right there's like there's hints we can look at in like the prospectus or some of the filings or some of his tweets or some of the comments he's made. You can like look at the companies he's partnering with, like like Loop Ring or um, Immutable X. You can you can like draw inferences from the things that they're doing. But do you think that's their actual plan, or is it just the market, the NFT marketplace? Um, I don't think it's Ryan Cohen's plan to create like blockchain exchanges for stocks. Yeah. I think Ryan Cohen likes to build companies and work his ass off and make it profitable. He just succeed in every single thing. That was probably the most surprising energy report I've ever seen. Like I like jumped off my couch. Like I didn't think the numbers were real on the profitability and the cash on hand and everything like that. Just an absolutely nuts turnaround. I kind of expensive. I think that's what he likes to do. I think he's got that building type of mind where games he's going to be still a big part of GameStop's adapting profitability and going forward with the NFT space and digital and everything. But he also wants to look at another company that he can really just rebuild again with getting the crime out of there and the overpaid execs and just hire people that work at a company to do it. I think he's more focused on making GameStop money than he is on doing like wrecking the stock market, I should say. Like getting rid of all the exchanges and going against the crime to get it to blockchain. Everything. I think he's just an incredibly successful business builder. Yeah. Well I mean it's 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 great to see someone actually attempting to make something of a company um instead of just viewing it as a husk for the exploitation of the financial system. It's mm-hmm. you know it's 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 beautiful i mean that's what like that's what that's what it's meant to be that's why people invest yeah. in things you know like it's sometimes yeah. i'm like talking about this stuff being like oh it's amazing it's like that's just how it should be like with <laughs> exactly all just entrepreneurialism <laughs> i remember Absolutely. yeah i remember well i don't remember the time i remember hearing about the time when that was the norm <laughs> exactly yeah it's, it's, it's yeah people building companies uh, he, I also think like he has left a ton of like clues and stuff over the years, whether it's DRS and computer share uh, tweets and stuff like that. Okay, so you think he's on, on board with ways, that bit? Yeah, I don't see why anyone wouldn't be. You know, having shareholders in their own names, getting these certificates, buying a couple of gear. Like, I think he's totally on board with it. I don't see any downside at all to the entire movement. Yet there's still articles coming out and fake bots on Twitter and Supersonic that say it takes this many days to do sales and stuff like that when literally sales are like instant at a limit that we want as long as the market's open. And so and there's still so much fake news out there that I don't see any downside to taking your share. Except for buying because you wouldn't know what the price is gonna be like buying direct in three days when the order goes through. You know, games like could be at 15 or it could be at 25 yeah. three days from now, so you won't get certainly close. But with a lot of average numbers, you have a 50 50 chance of getting cheaper or more expensive based on that. Yeah. Okay. So, right. I got I got two more questions for you, and then, then I'll let you back to your evening. Um, and they're shortish. Um, so, uh, this is something I've been trying to do and get people to do, um, like unashamedly copying Lex Friedman because he's a fantastic interviewer. But could you steel man the argument to not change the financial system? Could I? A steel man. A steel man is so like. Do you know what you know? What a straw man argument is is um, a steel man is basically. Can you give the best possible like argument in favor of not like changing the way the stock market operates? Take the contrarian view. Yeah why to keep it the way it is okay my best argument would be to not have an employee and wreck tens of millions of americans retirement accounts for pensions stuff like that that'd be my best argument for not fixing the entire bread system yeah 
Yeah, that seems to be the... I mean, that's the problem. Like, It's, it's like that scene in the big short, you know, when... Um, when the two guys, the, is it the Brownlee brothers? Is it the Brownlee brothers or Brownlee Capital? I can't remember the two, the two, the two brothers that are like you yeah. know, short and stuff. I can't Working remember. Working on a drive instead. Yeah. yeah. So um, the Gary's Band Head Fund, um, <laughs> they, they're like they've just sold, they've just like sold a, bu- they've just shorted a bunch of like um, mortgage bonds. And mm-hmm. they're like walking through the casino with uh, Brad Pitt's character, and they're like fucking dancing. He's like, yeah. "Stop celebrating! If, if this happens, it'll be the worst crisis in like modern American history. People will die. People will lose their homes. People will go hungry. Yeah. People will starve. People will not get medical attention. Like, and it's 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 really awful to imagine the consequence." Or do imagine the the scenes that we will face if the reckoning of you know justice ever reaches the financial system? It's it's terrifying and like obviously what we want, but also terrifying at the same time. Exactly, it's, it's so hard. Like it's not our fault they did all these things wrong and created this massive problem, mm-hmm. but they're literally going to unload the dog shit on retail investors before it happens. You know, they're going to put it on to everyone else. Like my whole conspiracy a couple of days ago on Twitter, uh, JP Morgan probably sold uh, First Republic, all those long duration bonds, convinced them in the border. I'm like, these are so good. Just buy all these and we'll take you over 95% off in a couple of months. Like they're just going to unload the stuff onto the public. They'll all be out of the trades before it happens, but there's going to be so many people that lose everything, but I'm still in favor for the fair market and for all the corruption to end. I think if another country calls us on it and all that comes out of the fake synthetic shares and these infinity amounts, then the market's going to go down to 80 plus percent. Mm-hmm. Like, buyers down there and stuff, but I think it's what needs to happen. It has to burn and be rebuilt. I, I don't think they can just tiptoe out of what they created. Yeah. Yeah, probably not. I mean, seemingly at least anyway. But they'll still all try and, you know, make for the border with their pocket stuff full of cash. Uh, hopefully some of them go to jail. That would be nice. Um, That'd be amazing. Prosecution. Um, That's all it would take to stop a lot of this stuff. Like, yeah. Every time JP Morgan uh, messes with the metals market, the CEO goes to prison. Like, they don't do it next year. But it's fine. If they are continuing to do crime and continue to be fine for it, that means they're making way more money than the fines are. <laughs> yeah. Doing yeah. And I think prison time would be a whole different story for a lot of the stuff on Wall Street. Yeah. You got to find these companies so much money, though. Because, like, I remember it was like Facebook got fined half a billion, I think it was, by the EU. And their stock price went up. They got fined half a billion and the stock price went up because because they had set aside more than that for the fine. So the fact they were only fined half a billion or whatever it was, was some obscene number, right? Was the, the stock price went up because the investor was like, oh, hey, we got some spare cash lying around now. <laughs> it's, been, it's been backwards world since COVID. And it was like the worst an original report was the higher up the stock price would go the next day. And yeah. <laughs> it's just this, backwards. This was actually forever. pre-COVID. I think this was 2018. Anyway, final question. So uh, what do you think of the apes? They're one hell of a strong movement. I mean, it is, there's so many of them. And I love that there's this many people on the internet that can share information this fast about corruption and lies and manipulation. And they literally get online to show the world the corruption that's happening behind the scenes. And so they should keep it up. It's been, it's been the ride's not over. We're going to have to expose the corruption forever. But I love all the people that are trying to bring it into the light and trying to do the same thing I'm doing without saying too much. I have to be so vague 
on some things to be compliant on Twitter or Reddit or stuff like that. But all these apes, they can just go nuts, unintended, and just say whatever they want and not they're not going to get in trouble for compliance reasons, for clients, stuff like that. But, you know, just keep bringing the heat on the top. Yeah. Get yourself a few burner accounts, man. <laughs> yeah, I need to shoot. I don't know how to work VPNs and stuff strong enough to be able to do that. Yeah, true, true. <laughs> Someone will find it. Oh. Just like Keith losing his licenses. Did he lose his licenses? Oh, yeah. Really? Yeah, he got fired and lost his licenses. To, I want to say before his hearing, like when uh, really? Mass Mutual or Washington, whoever he was with right then, uh, yeah, he was, I mean, he carried the other 40 million dollars that week but <laughs> yeah uh still that just sucks because he was really just posting data you know and numbers and talking hype but yeah fucking here it is roaring kitty no longer has a financial broker license march 2021 yeah that's right right when it was like here MML Investor Services filed the termination request, stating an internal review of his outside activities was ongoing. A spokesperson for Mass Mutual. Oh my word! That's so You've sad, never seen that? man. No, I, I don't know. know. I don't know how I've missed it, man. There's so many bits to this story. Like I know what's going to happen when I bring the book out. There'll be ten thousand comments being, well, maybe not ten thousand, ten comments being like, um, "You missed this. You missed this. You forgot this. You didn't mention this." And I'll be like, "Bro, have you seen the subreddit?" There's not. There's no way I could talk about everything. <laughs> exactly. I'm trying to. Exactly. I'm trying to stay real so focused. On there. I barely mentioned AMC. I'm not going to mention uh, BBBY. Like I just there's there's too many things. I have to focus. <laughs> no, I know, right? It's, you just branch out onto the different ones. Yeah. To, there's too much going on. Yeah. Like I tried every single day with just games on that. Yeah, there's so much data out there. You wouldn't be your book would be just ongoing forever. Yeah, yeah. My first book was a coming out. My first book was a sprawling mess. So I'm determined to not make this the same. Ah, <laughs> <laughs> uh, it'll it'll be good. We gotta do a do another private call with me and. I can put some stuff in your book that I can't necessarily put up to the public right here that will just blow your mind on the GameStop saga. Okay, and, well, we can yeah. <laughs> definitely talk about doing that. Okay. And then if, if you record that one, I'll, uh, I'll send it to my players and see if it's possible to put out there or not. I'm going to guess no chance. But okay. at least you'll have it for uh, non-named things in the book. Okay. Well, do you want to... Right, well, then um, f let's say thank you to everyone um for listening uh and thanks to you man for, for joining it. me it's been it's been a, such a fun chat um yeah thank you for having me on it's been awesome no problem uh and i'll send you a copy of the book when it's out so yeah so Perfect. so we can keep recording and we can decide now and then you can decide i'll clip the bit out and send it to you and you can see if your lawyers say it's um yeah possible to put it online or not <laughs> hey everyone Thanks for making it right the way to the end of the podcast. I love that you tuned in this long. Do me a favor, hit subscribe because 80% of you bastards are not subscribing, but you're watching my videos. See you next time.